0: How are you all doing today? My name is Joey Ortiz. I am the student pastor here at Grace Bible Church, and I am very excited to be here with you guys today as we continue our series in Mark. I do wanna give you guys just a quick heads up. If you have a student that's in middle school or high school, Today is a huge day. See, today we open up registration for challenge conference, which is a huge conference that we have coming this summer. We'll give you way more information after service. If you want, come bug me out in the commons area. I would be more than happy to give you guys any information that you're missing. We are going to pick our series up in Mark today, in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 39. And As you get your Bibles out and as you open them to Mark 1, 21 through 39, I wanna catch us up. I wanna give us kind of a follow up to everything that we've covered up to now so that you know where we're diving in. See, when we started this series, Pastor Eddie walked us through the theme and gave us the context of the book of Mark. And the theme for this book, what Mark is trying to establish is the idea that Jesus is God that he is the Savior who he claims to be. Shortly after that, Pastor Tim walked us through Jesus' baptism and temptation out in the wilderness. Last week, Pastor Eddie walked us through the idea that Jesus made this huge proclamation. The time is now. It has been fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. He talked about the call of the gospel and how that never changes. And he also talked about the call of discipleship. He talked about Jesus calling his first apostles that would walk through the next few years with him. We pick up in Mark chapter 1 shortly after that. So, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 39. If you have your Bibles, follow along with me. They will also be up on the screen. Or you can follow along in these journals that we have that we've been kind of talking through the last few, few weeks that you can find at Bridge Ministries where you can keep all your notes together with, that, uh, with the, the, the text. Mark 1, verses 21 through 39. And they went into Capernaum. Jesus and his apostles went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath... They entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished. The people in the synagogue were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, "'What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God.'" But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of the man. And they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout Galilee, Uh, the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and casted out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. After rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, saying to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. As we walk through this text today, we are going to see three huge points. We are going to see three main things about what Jesus is doing here. Jesus has authority in his teaching. We are going to look at Jesus' authority in how he taught We are also gonna look at his authority over demons and sickness, consequences of a broken and fallen, sinful world. And then we are gonna look at Jesus' response to the masses. We are gonna see how Jesus reacts in the face of people coming to see him. To dive in today, the first thing that we're gonna look at is Jesus' authority in teaching, and we're gonna dive back into the first two verses. Okay, as Jesus steps into the synagogue, he comes with these people that he's called, with Simon and Andrew and James and John, and they walk in and he immediately begins to teach. And everybody who is listening is astonished. In Greek, the word for astonished that Mark uses here is ekplesso. Now, the root of that word, plesso, is a physical strike. So if you could picture someone getting punched in the face and having to recover from that, that is the reaction of everybody in the room. They hear him teaching and they know, like, dude, something is different about this guy. And in the very next verse, what they say is, or what Mark says is, he's teaching with authority and not as the scribes. See, here in Capernaum, they would get these people who would go and they would teach, these Pharisees who would teach, but they would teach by saying, well, Rabbi so-and-so says this, and Rabbi so-and-so says that. And do you guys remember that one time Rabbi so-and-so said this? R. Kent Hughes, in his preaching the word commentary, says that these men taught, bound by the words of others. Bound by the words of others. But Jesus Jesus didn't teach that way. Many times in Scripture, you will see the way Jesus teaches. You have heard it been said, but I say to you this. And he would teach with boldness and authority. And the reason that Jesus would teach this way is two amazing biblical truths that we see played out in other parts of Scripture. See, Jesus is the living word of God. He is the living Word of God. We see this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just a few verses later, we see the Word became flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14, and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus has authority in his teaching of the Word of God because he is the Word of God, the living Word of God. Jesus also has authority in the Word because he is the fulfillment of that word. Luke 4, verses 18 and 19 say this. In the book of Luke, Luke actually talks about Jesus going into his hometown and preaching there for the very first time. This is actually before the story we're reading right now in Mark. He goes into Nazareth and he stands up at synagogue and he reads this out. He says this, quoting from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke 4, 21, again, just a few verses later, He began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is the living word of God, and he came to fulfill the word of God. And if we back up just a little bit, we see the way that he brings liberty to those who are oppressed by sin is by the gospel truth of living a life we couldn't, dying in our place on the cross, taking on the wrath of sin that is due unto us. And by faith in him, we are set free. Jesus has authority in his teaching It amazed the people who heard it. They were shocked and floored. But my question is this to you, church. Are you amazed at the teaching of Jesus? Do you submit yourselves to those teachings? See, if we look at Scripture, we're called to analyze ourselves. Are you amazed by the fact that Jesus lived the life you couldn't and fulfilled all those prophecies to be able to be the savior of those who believe. Are you amazed by that? Last week, Pastor Eddie asked you, have you changed the gospel or has the gospel changed you? The simple fact is, if we are not able to submit ourselves to the teachings of Jesus, has the gospel really changed us? And I get it, I get it. Some of these teachings are tough. Some of them are a little bit easier. Right, One of Jesus' commands, don't murder anybody. I'm pretty sure most of you guys can check that one off today, right? But Jesus also said that if you are angry with anybody in your heart, you've committed murder against them. So parents, if your kids were driving you crazy and you were frustrated with them in the backseat of the car on the way here, you were mad at them, were you not? Or maybe your spouse took a little too long to get ready, or maybe you're mad at Dak Prescott for throwing yet another interception. Too soon, I guess. Uh, Okay. Right? But it's not just that. It's not just anger, it's bitterness and unforgiveness. Some of us can hold a grudge like nobody's business, and yet we're called to forgive. But if you only knew what they did to me, Pastor. And yet Jesus teaches that you are to forgive as you have been forgiven. And it's not just these two things. Right? We're called to submit ourselves in a whole bunch of other places. Greed, lust, sexual immorality, drunkenness. These teachings expand across our entire lives. They change us and shape us and mold us to be more in the image of Christ so that the world can see what we believe in. So I ask you the question, church, have you submitted yourselves to the teachings of Jesus? Have you submitted yourselves to the teachings of Jesus? Because the Bible is all-encompassing. It covers everything. But if we're honest, there's one thing that God left out. There's one thing that's not in Scripture. And that's your opinion on what's right and what's wrong. Because God is the ultimate moral authority, and his teachings should have authority over our lives. How we live and what we do. I love what Psalm 1 says. I love what Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't follow the ways of the world, nor does he stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, on God's law, he meditates day and night. As you follow Jesus, church, these are questions that we have to ask ourselves. Is that authority Taking place in our lives. We actually see it play out right afterwards because even a demon responds to the authority of Jesus. Jesus has authority over demons and sickness. We see this in Mark chapter 1, verses 23 through 26. And immediately, as soon as Jesus begins to teach, as soon as everyone in the synagogue is amazed, a man with an unclean spirit comes forward and cries out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out Of the man, Jesus preached. He preached with authority and boldness, and the demon sitting inside of a man who was in church responds and comes out of him. And the demons know Jesus's authority; they are well aware of it. We just read that the word of God was how all things were created. That includes the angels that are fallen, that are now demons. They are very familiar with who Jesus is. They are very aware of his authority. And as Jesus commands this demon to shut up and come out of this man, he does it and he does it instantly. In the very next verse, we see the people freak out by that too. Look at this man with his teaching of authority that even the demons obey. Even the demons Obey. They know who he is and they freak out with his holiness. I love what James chapter 2, verse 19 says You believe that God is one. Even demons believe in God and shudder. The difference between us and them is they don't believe what God has to say, they don't repent and believe in Christ. They had no other response but to scream out against Christ. They know the judgment that awaits them and they know the power that he holds as he comes forward to set free those who are bound by sin. And if we're honest, as Mark opens up his gospel, we're in chapter 1, we're just a few verses in, he is showing you the authority that Jesus has here on earth. His teaching is different. The demons, the very minions of Satan, bow before him. Bow before him and obey him. And Mark has to do that if he's trying to tell us and show us that Jesus is who he says he is. And I'm going to tell you, church, as we come into face-to-face with these teachings of Jesus, the sin that is within us recoils the same way that this demon did. I'm going to be real honest with you as I was walking through a list of sins just a minute ago. Anger. Greed, jealousy, lust. I saw some of you guys sit back and be like, oh man. Because in reality, the sin that's within us hates the truth of God. It does. But we are called to not only obey, but bow to the authority of Jesus and his teaching. To bow to him as our savior and our king. As the demon is cast out, I wanna take a moment to just do a quick side note here. The demon convulses the man and cries out as he leaves his body. The word for convulse is uh, sparraso, and it's used multiple times in scripture. One of the things that I wanna note though is that it is never used in relation to the Holy Spirit. It is always used in relation to demonic possession. Again, the demons knew Christ and they shuddered at his authority. They obeyed his every command. His authority over the minions of Satan are on display. Now Jesus goes on to show his authority over one of the consequences of sin, and that is sickness. We continue to see that in the next few verses. Mark chapter 1, verses 30 and 31 say this. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came to her and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. The healing that occurs here is physical. It's physical. The fever leaves her. But I want you to note that he doesn't just heal her. He heals her immediately. He heals her completely she is healed immediately and completely because when you have had a fever my son just got over a stomach bug that destroyed him for 2 days on the 3rd day it took him all he had just to get out of bed he was weak he was tired he was sore he had fever the night before he had to recover this woman who had had fever, and, and based off of what we read in the original text, he, she had had it for a while, immediately gets up and begins to serve them. Again, the healing is physical and spiritually, church, as we repent and believe the gospel, the healing that we receive is far greater. Because that spiritual healing is what brings us closer to God. If we have believed the gospel, we are healed from the bounds of sin eternally. As we die and pass on and enter into eternity, we will be with Christ forever. We see countless more healings and and the exhibiting of Jesus' power again and again in the next few verses. Mark chapter 1, verse 32 through 34 say this, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all, all who were sick, Or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, something super interesting at sundown is an important detail. Sundown is an important detail because according to Jewish law, the Sabbath ended as the sun went down. And on the Sabbath, you are not allowed to do anything. So as the sun went down over the hills in Capernaum, I can picture the entire city rushing to Simon Peter's house, bringing forth the sick and the possessed so that Jesus may continue to heal and heal and heal. Interesting note here is that it says many of them were healed. But in Luke, Luke accounts that all of them that were brought to Jesus were healed. Check out what it says in Luke 4, verses 40 and 41. Now the sun was setting, same time of day, and all of those who were sick with various diseases were brought, to them, or brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every single one of them and healed them. Just like Simon's mother-in-law, they were healed completely. They were healed instantly. And check this out, church. He didn't ask for anything in return not money, not even faith. See, it's very possible that a lot of these people that were healed didn't go on to believe in Jesus. It's very possible, church, that a lot of these people were healed and walked away. Never to think about that again. As we walk in spiritual healing, church, my prayer is that that is not us. My prayer, church, is that as we come to understand the power and authority of Jesus over sin, sickness, and Satan, we live a life that is worthy of the gospel. We live a life that glorifies him and honors him in all that we do. As we come to a close in the section of scripture that we are reading, we see Jesus' response to the masses as he begins to heal all of these people that night, that evening, and as the city comes out to see him, we see his response. His response is not to press into the people. His response is not to seek after people. His response is to withdraw and seek after God. His response is to press into time with the Father through the Spirit, so that he could continue to fulfill his purpose, so that he could continue to live out the very reason he stepped out of heaven, the very reason he humbled himself to the point of a servant, to be obedient to the will of the Father, even to the point of death on a cross. Walk with me through Mark 1, verses 35 through 39. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. They want you to come keep healing them. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now, if you've paid attention so far, you realize that this text started with Jesus waking up in the morning, going into synagogue teaching. Then immediately afterwards, again, using that word that Mark is famous for, going to Simon Peter's house and healing and being served by his mother-in-law. And then that evening, all of the city comes to him to be healed. The very next morning, he stops and leaves and goes out into the wilderness. I know here it says desolate place, but the exact same word that was used for wilderness when Jesus went to go and be tempted after his baptism is the word that is used here. He goes out into the wilderness to pray and submit himself to the will of God. He submits himself to the will of God. And when everyone comes to him and says, Hey, dude, everyone's looking for you, he's like, That's not why I'm here. I came to preach the gospel, I came to get this news out to everybody. He came. To authenticate who he was by showing time and time again his authority over the word, over Satan, sin, and death. This one day at the start of his ministry is where Mark kicks off his book. Jesus was baptized, he was tempted, he called his disciples, and he went to work for the kingdom, for God the Father. After teaching in the synagogue in the morning and healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law in the afternoon and healing a multitude of people, he went and submitted himself. He prayed and spent time with the Father. He prayed that the will of God be accomplished. Three times in the book of Mark does Jesus do this. The last time is when he prays in the garden before his crucifixion. Now, obviously this happened a lot more in Jesus's life, but Mark recounts those three times specifically. Last week, Pastor Eddie asked you the question, has the gospel changed you or have you changed the gospel? I'm going to add to that question today, church, because if you claim to believe in the gospel and your life is changed, how do others know? How do others see that you are living a life that is worthy of the gospel? Paul asks you that question in Philippians chapter 1. Jesus' teaching and his power are evident. His authority over Satan, sin, and death are made abundantly clear by what we read today. Have you submitted yourself to that power and authority? Have you repented and believe in the gospel of the kingdom? Do you abide in Christ? Or are you no different than a demon? Are you no different than a demon? Do you know in your heart that God exists? I mean, the very person that had the demon cast out was sitting in church. Think about that. Sitting in church, and when he came face to face with the truth that Jesus was presenting, he couldn't handle it. Are you no different than a demon that awaits the same judgment of those who don't believe? those that have not repented. Like we said last week, church, the call remains the same. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the fact that Jesus humbled himself and stepped out of heaven, taking on the form of a servant. Repent, church, and believe that he was the fulfillment of the law, that he lived every command perfectly, Believe, church, that he was sinless in all aspects of life. Never sinning, not once. Why? So that he could take on the punishment for our sin. See, if he had sinned, he wasn't the spotless lamb who would come to take away the sin of the world. But by being sinless and dying on the cross in our place, church, if we believe in that, that perfect life that he lived, that sinless record is given to us and we are forgiven of our sins. Believe, church, that he was buried and rose again on the third day. Believe that he has ascended to the right hand of the Father and believe, church, that he lives to make intercession for those who draw near to God through him. Believe that church because that's what we're called to believe. That's what the gospel is. And as we believe those truths, as we realize what it means to be a Christian, we also have to realize that that also means committing ourselves to his authority. In Matthew 20, 20, uh, 28 20, Jesus says to go out and make disciples. Go out and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Jesus is telling the disciples to go forth and teach what he taught, that those who are disciples are willing to submit themselves to the authority of that teaching. And Jesus says, I will be with you to the end of the age. Church, by submitting ourselves to Jesus, By turning away from sin and turning to him, we get to live out the will of God and go out and be the church he's called us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for what your son Jesus did for us. And I I know, Lord, that the commands of scripture, the challenges of scripture are... Are difficult. They call us to go face to face with our sin, with our flesh, with the world, with our brokenness. But Lord, I pray that as we turn our eyes to your son, Jesus, as we behold his goodness and grace, Father, that you help us to realize that all of these things that we're following are because they are what make us show Jesus to the world. They bring us closer and closer to you by sanctifying us. Father, help us be a church that lives for you. Help us be a church that glorifies you and honors you in all that we do, Lord. And help us to be a church that submits to your will. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this time where we celebrate communion, Help us to remember that by the breaking of your son's body and the shedding of his blood, he was able to fulfill all the requirements that we fall short of daily. And that by coming to you through him, our sin is washed away. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness once again. And we pray all these things in Jesus' holy, mighty name. Amen. Love you, church.